Are you a parent in business that wants to learn digital marketing the right way? So you've got an amazing business and you want to shout it from the rooftops. You want everyone to know about it and you want to generate consistent revenue. You love the idea of your business working for you whilst you are busy making memories with your family. The one thing stopping you is digital marketing. From SEO to blogging, from creating your own digital courses to creating podcasts that parents will love. My Bumped Baby has the solution. We have launched our Digital Marketing Academy and it is designed for parent-focused business owners to grow and scale their business with ease. Our academy can be accessed from anywhere on any device, which means as a busy parent in business, you can learn on the go with our bite-sized straight-to-the-point videos. Join us today by visiting the link below and have seven-day free trial on us to see if the area is right for you. Click the link under this podcast to start benefiting today and access our training right away. We look forward to seeing you in there and teaching you everything you need to know about digital marketing for parent-focused businesses. This podcast is sponsored by My Bump to Baby Family Protection and Legal Directory. To find your nearest advisor or family law solicitor, head over to www.mybumptobaby.com forward slash family protection legal. Do you love the idea of being your own boss? What about saving money on childcare because you can actually work flexibly around your family? My Bump to Baby is rapidly expanding and we are looking for people to run their own pregnancy to preschool hubs in their local area. Full training is provided, ongoing mentor support, fantastic regular team incentives, a bonus scheme, uncapped commission, review products for free and review days out too. If you are interested in being the My Bump to Baby Manager for your local area, email us business at mybumptobaby.com. Limited space available. Hello and welcome to My Bump to Baby Expert Podcast, where we bring experts from all over the UK to answer your questions on everything pregnancy to preschool. Today I am joined by Gemma Coe, child sleep therapist. And she is going to be talking to us all about the sleep environment and creating the perfect sleep environment for our babies. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to My Bumped Babies Expert podcast. Today, I am joined by Gemma Coe. She is a child sleep specialist. So hello, Gemma. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yourself? 
Yes, good. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk to you because today we're going to be talking to you about child sleep environment, which is very important, isn't it? The sleep environment is absolutely central yes. um, to, to a child being able to sleep well at night, baby or child. So, yeah, we'll talk about that today and what parents can do at home. Brilliant, brilliant. So, Gemma, can you first of all just introduce yourself so people can get an idea of where, where you're from and also how they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name's Gemma Coe and I live down in Seven Oaks, just outside of London. Um, and originally I trained as a children's nurse and then went into medical education and training. So I spent quite a lot of time working in London in the charity sector and for organisations such as big universities and the Royal College of Paediatrics as well. Um, but this is a slight deviation after having two babies into um, working for myself and I'm absolutely fascinated by sleep and how to get more of it oh yeah all cost if people are interested um, in what I'm saying and if if they can relate to it then um, they can find more information at childsleepspecialist.co.uk that's brilliant. Yeah, I think a lot of sleep specialists tend to start after they've had their own children um, as well. <laughs> and I can see why. Yeah. Um, so, so Gemma, um, let's get started then. So what do we mean by sleep environment and creating the perfect sleep environment? Um, so it's a little bit of a fancy term, but realistically, it's just about what's around us. So, so many parents contact me and say, I'm doing this wrong or I do this or I do that or my baby does this or my baby does that and I want my baby to do this but they're two things but this is also what's going on around us because if there's a loud drill outside the baby's never going to sleep regardless of what you do or what the baby does so there's kind of three factors there's the parents and the routine and what's set up for the baby there's what the baby does and whether they can settle themselves and resettle themselves. But there's also the sleep environment. And I just feel like it's probably one of the things that we don't think about enough. So it's all the external influences such as temperature in the room, sound, like I've just mentioned, brightness as well. We talk about light and dark when the baby sleeps and any sort of form of distractions. And that could be, I don't know, something like a cop mobile or a teddy bear or the parent themselves. Yeah, the dad snoring. Baby's just about to fall asleep and somebody picks them up, that sort of thing. Um, and of course, some people can sleep anywhere, right? So when I used to commute into London, you'd have all of these really annoying people that would just fall asleep on the train. And I was super jealous. I can't sleep anywhere. I need a really, really good sleep environment. And so we don't really know that about baby yet. So what we can do is just provide the best environment for them to give them that chance of falling asleep. So, yeah. I think that's, that's, I'm super passionate about sleep. I think that is something that people don't think about because we've done um, podcasts on, um, you know, routines and, and all that, which is great. But, yeah, of course, the sleep environment. Yeah, totally agree. That's something that probably gets overlooked a lot of the time. Um, so, so why then is sleep environment important then Gemma well I think kind of we just sort of summarized it slightly there is like I think it's about despite our best habits and our best intentions with things like getting the naps right depending on the age of the child and the bedtime routine it can be lovely and it can involve infant massage and all sorts of other things Mm -hmm. 
And even if, you know, they're able to settle, but if distractions are still out there, it can limit people's success. And so that's why it's important. And it's like super important for just consistency. And, you know, kids only learn when we repeat again and again and again and again. And if it changes every time, then they don't really know what to expect. So um, there's just a little bit of the science behind sleep is that we all go through different sleep cycles. And when the baby gets to about 12 to 16 weeks, their their sleep cycles become a little bit more like an adult. So they go through an actual sleep cycle, which is also about the same time as they have a massive regression. So people can't always get in touch at about the four month mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, But basically we go through the sleep cycle, which means that we fall into a deep, stage of sleep but we pass through this light phase of sleep so it's sort of the active dreaming stage into this deep state of sleep back through the light stage of sleep and then we always have something called a partial waking and this is like caveman times right so we would we would wake up we'd check we're okay we'd check there's no lions in the den that sort of thing and then we'd fall asleep and it's, it's what we do now if you fell asleep and you woke up and you noticed a light was on that wasn't before you would wake up properly and you'd be like, what's going on, right? If that light wasn't on, you'd just drift back off to sleep and you wouldn't even remember you woke up. Now, that's the same thing as we're trying to do for the babies. The baby, when they come out of that stage of sleep, they have this partial waking. And what we want them to do is notice no difference. It needs to be exactly the same when they fell asleep. So they don't notice anything's different, so they don't wake up fully. And this is one of the things that we can try and control with the sleep environment, making everything exactly the same as it was when they fell asleep and they're far more likely to fall back to sleep. Oh, wow. That's really nice. Yeah. You never thought of it like that. Yeah. It's just about, it's just about giving them the best chance of success. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I suppose if think, if you wake up and there's things going on, you want to have a look at what's going on, don't you? So that that does make sense yeah yeah so so I think for a baby like it might be that um maybe there was a cop mobile on hmm. right when they fell asleep and now it's stopped uh-huh. and lots of these sort of white noise animals that only last for 45 minutes that might be there that were playing lovely and now that's stopped uh-huh. maybe a parent was rocking them to sleep they're not there anymore because the baby's been put down they're like hang on what's gone on that's not the same as what it was when I fell asleep so I'm going to wake up fully which is why you get babies that wake up 45 minutes on the dot on the dot on the dot so that's what we're trying to do here ah right okay so oh yeah because a lot of people put these cop mobiles on don't they so yeah how how would you tackle that then I suppose would you have to put that back on each time or is it a case of not actually falling asleep when that's on or is that a totally different scenario completely you just move it move it to the changing mat so they've got something to watch and distract them when they're having their bottom changed and then just try like the perfect sleep environment we'll talk about it later yeah the one with nothing (laughs) yeah you know like we can be sold all of the toys in the world and we buy it into it and actually just move it to a fun play space. When you want your baby awake, then you can play with the toys. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That's brilliant advice. Um, so uh, a question that a lot of parents have, um, I know I had it as well when, when my little boy was little, is do babies actually need to sleep in the dark? 
Well, ideally, yes. But we also, it goes back to my previous point, some babies can sleep everywhere. Mm -hmm. And actually, when babies are super young, like under 12 weeks, yes, they pretty much can because their day and night patterns are a little bit mixed up anyway. Um, but what darkness does is it allows our bodies to, um, to secrete a hormone called melatonin. And it's also known as the sleepy hormone. And it basically is just the trigger for us to go to sleep. And that's um, stimulated um, in the dark. So to give our body the best chance of releasing that hormone, we go with darkness. It's not always possible, daycare settings, for example. But again, what we're looking here is we're looking at best practice. And those who are trying to get their babies into a bit of a routine with sleep might find it good just to limit naps to darkness throughout the day when they're trying to get their babies into a bit of a routine. So. Really, the best advice um, with darkness um, is to use things like blackout blinds if you can. You can get ones with little suction cups that you can put on as well. Um, and probably the best rule of thumb is the best environment is one that you can read a book in. So if it's that dark, it doesn't have to be pitch black, but if it's that dark, it's dark enough for the body to secrete that hormone, which is just super useful. And also there's other benefits to darkness is it helps keep the environment cool as well which is really important yeah. for sleep and it helps the babies not see the fun things in the corner of the room particularly when they get to about eight months of age and they, they can see a bit FOMO. they can see their toys or they can see maybe the parents staying in the room with them or something like that and they're like "Ooh, that's far more exciting than going to sleep so it helps limit that as well so it's yeah. not just about melatonin it's got other advantages too that makes sense so for naps then is that would you encourage the parents to make the room a bit darker at that point or would you say that they're, they're a bit different because they're shorter yeah when you can I would particularly for the like the long lunchtime nap you know where that's going to stay with the kid until they're about three years of age so you might as well when you can get that right mm. I also though I'm not too much of a stickler for it because especially when people are going through you know trying to get their baby to sleep it can be quite exhausting and you know new parents also like the first or the third nap is a great one for just doing it in the pram just to get a bit of exercise have a little bit of a break it's good for us as well mm. oh, um, yes. so you know I'd, I'd always try and do the longer lunchtime nap um mm. in the darkness and maybe one other um but you know get a bit yeah. of exercise when you can yeah and and with that mm. sorry I'm generating all sorts of questions here with that thought but <laughs> with it with the um nap do you think it's better than not you know with a nap is it better than being away from the bedroom when they are napping because otherwise they might wake up and not know whether it's a nap or whether it's actually bedtime and, and get a bit mixed up with the routines is it better to keep them downstairs Ideally, get them used to their sleep space. So when you walk in the room, it's kind of like a little baby spa. It's like a calm spa, the lights are low, and they just know that that room is for sleeping. And again, it's like what I said earlier about routines and consistency, that they know what to expect. So if you put them down in like a fun space and you expect them to sleep, they'd be like, but I was playing here before. So it's all about just getting them used to, you know, that space, that environment. Um, and so, you know, you can kind of control that space as much as you can. 
that's that's so, great yeah. oh no brilliant thank you so babies again I suppose we've touched on this a little bit but my next question was do babies need to sleep in a quiet space and is white noise good for getting babies to sleep because I know a lot of parents like the white noise and some parents swear by yeah. white noise don't they <laughs> yeah exactly and it does come a little bit as to you know we are all all different and some babies love being patted to sleep and some babies absolutely hate it if somebody patted me to sleep I'd be really upset (laughs) whereas I used to live with someone who loved being stroked and that would just send her to sleep someone stroked her arm and I'd be like I couldn't imagine anything worse so ultimately (laughs) we're different yes Um, and some babies can sleep with lots of noise um particularly you'll find times particularly in the first part of the night where babies can pretty much sleep through anything yeah you could have a little disco in their room and they just would sleep through it you tried that in the lighter stages of sleep maybe from about 3 a.m you've got no hope that baby is going to completely wake up so there are times that they can sleep through and there's times that they can't um so like i said um trying to control noises particularly from about 3 a.m onwards is really really important so that can just think a little bit wider than just the house that could include the traffic out on the street maybe building up the the rubbish truck coming along um even the birds singing maybe the boiler starts up particularly in the winter months the boiler starts up at about 5 a.m and the pipes clank that's enough to wake a baby and keep Mm. a baby awake or maybe it's, I don't know, mum, dad, whoever, getting ready and doing a shower in the morning before they go to work. Yeah. So you can't control all of these noises. So what we're trying to do is mask the noise with a really horrible, slow, consistent noise, which we call white noise. Yes. White noise or pink noise as well is a oh, different wow. type of noise. Oh, wow. But I've not heard of that one. If you like pink, go with pink noise. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's actually... It's not so much about getting the baby to sleep with white noise. It's about keeping the baby asleep. So like I said earlier about when they have their partial wakings and realise everything's exactly the same, if the white noise is consistent, that's all they can hear and they drop back off. So there's loads of products on the market. Like, I don't know. I don't really want to diss any of them. They're great for toys. um, But the, the... typically mimic some sort of animal that you put in the cart um and they play white noise but they only play for 45 minutes so if you're going to use white noise it has to be consistent for the whole duration of the nap and the whole duration of bedtime so seven to seven that's the routine that you're oh wow that's a long time um so you know between about 50 to 60 decibels as well it's about the same um volume as an adult conversation so when you play that consistently it seems really loud um but actually that's that's enough to mask the noise and then just put the speaker anywhere between the baby and where the noise is coming from so obviously it's the window it's outside you put the speaker there if it's more likely to be from siblings playing downstairs or mum getting up and having a shower at 5am then you put it by the door Mm-hmm. Um, and it's super easy to wean off as well when the baby's now got great sleep habits when their body clock is kind of set and they're sort of all sorted just reduce the level of the white noise maybe two decibels every night every few nights 
the baby will learn to sleep. Oh, wow. What great advice. Because that's what I would be worried about, I think, is getting them used to something and then having to go, say you're staying at grandparents, hopefully soon we'll we'll be able to probably (laughs) do all this. But, um, yeah, say, for example, you know, you're staying out, um, then – you know, when you've not got access to white noise, then are you going to have a problem getting them to sleep? That's what I'd be worried about. But I suppose if you can easily wean them off, um, sounds yeah. quite good. Yeah, and so and you don't need anything fancy, right? You, no. There's apps that play it. Um, even Spotify have got like tracks that you can just play on loop consistently. There's oh, one wow. which doesn't fade out, so you don't get the click click as it goes into a new track. And then you can use, I can't say it too loud because my one will go off, but, the, you know, there's sort of the internet speakers like the Googles and the Alexas and all those sorts of things to play it. So you can control it from outside the room oh, as well. Oh, great. Yeah. So it's not just kind of, um, you know, it being set up in your house. You can take it anywhere with you. So that's really handy. Yeah. So, so how then would someone create the perfect sleep environment? I know we've touched on little bits of this, but what would your advice be around that? So I guess, so think about temperature in the room as well. We don't want it too hot. We don't want it too cold. And that's great SIDS advice as well. So ideally you're aiming between sort of 16 and 20 degrees, obviously, and you dress your baby accordingly. But as long as they don't have icy cold hands and feet, and as long as they're not sweaty. So, you know, it's a nice, they're warm to the touch. That's what we're aiming for. A a temperature gauge in in a bedroom is a good idea, is it? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Try not to get one that gives off light because then we go back to the whole darkness point. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe just take the temperature, particularly at that sort of coldest point in the night, like sort of 2 to 3 a.m. And if it's pretty consistent, then that's what you're looking for. Um, so completely think temperature. Sleeping bags are absolutely great because they stay on the baby. You know the TOG rating and it's right for the season and try not to upgrade to like a toddler duvet too soon because that's one of the most common reasons for waking is through cold mm. where the duvet's fallen off and they're not yet old enough to pull it back on them so they require the parents to do that for themselves so you know you can have sleeping bags all the way up to the age of three um I think I've just just seen one that goes up to the age of five if that's what the kid likes and they're really nice positive sleep association as well mm. so definitely think about the temperature in the room so not too cool not too hot and um, think about the light like I said earlier as well and if you can use blackout blinds and remove all the distractions just go super plain and boring um, if you've got a separate space in the house for toys, excellent. Move them all there. If you don't, then just try and screen them off a little bit in the bedroom. And also just think this this sleep environment for them, just think baby spa, right? It has to be just super chilled out when you go in there. And I know that's sometimes easier said than done. And if you're having a battle with the toddler, maybe the toddler's, you know, refusing bedtime or just trying to get away with it a little bit longer, a little bit longer, or if your baby's crying and you're getting really, really worked up, then those emotions can transfer. And so it's just really important just to put them down, make sure they're safe, leave, and then just re-enter that room when you're super calm and then help settle them again. Like just, you know, you need to create a really positive sleep space so there's no sort of stress or emotions involved as well. And I think that's really important. So remove anything like that stressy. 
yeah and, and that might include yourself yes yes well. i've been there my son's five and he still stresses me out before bedtime i have to go out <laughs> for a minute because kids just don't want to go to bed do they you not know? when there's fun stuff to do no, right? exactly yeah. exactly see i'm always ready for bed so yeah it's a bit different when you're an adult isn't it <laughs> Catching up from what you did as a child. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so um, Gemma, can you now touch a bit about touch on a bit about safe sleep? Because we all talk about safe sleep, but sometimes it's just safe sleep, and we do know little bits. But I think there's a lot, a lot to think about when it comes to safe sleep. Yeah, there is, and a lot of it is actually about the sleep environment. So, first and foremost, I'd absolutely recommend the Lullaby Trust website. It is super super awesome and their information is just so readable and user friendly um and also the nhs has got great guidance on SIDS as well um but there's sort of safe sleep environment um in terms of the sleeping environment obviously and i think most people do it now but it's just a gentle reminder that all babies need to go in their backs for sleep and there needs to be nothing else in the cot um and so that includes things like the nests as well that you know, we kind of get used to using and the cot bumpers and things like that. And, um, even lots of toys can be A, distracting and B, it's not safe. Kind of the risks reduce when the baby's able to roll away from danger and they've got more strength to sit up or to move stuff themselves. And then sort of gradually the, the risk goes down and down. But it, it also includes things like loose blankets if you're trying to cover them up or if they're wearing too much at night. So there's a few things there to be thinking of. Um, ideally, they would be on their back for sleep in their cot at all occasions. So, you know, I have got a 12-week-old baby. I know how difficult oh. it is not to fall asleep on the sofa, you know, with with a baby when you're absolutely exhausted. But if you're really, really tired, just put the baby down because it's, you know, it's much safer that that baby's in a cot with nothing else around them um, than with you on the sofa. The other thing which we have touched on is just making sure that the baby's not too hot and cold. Um, so we're aiming for about 16 to 20 degrees where they are. Um, Day and, and night is that, Gemma? Day yeah, and night, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, so no icy cold hands or sweaty babies. We don't like sweaty babies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can also control what they're wearing for the, for the temperature as well. And um, online you can see some really great sort of infographics about what the temperature is and what the baby should be wearing in terms of the sleep suit and the, the level of the TOG as well. So there's some really good information out there. Um, and I think they're the main things really with safe sleeping in the room environment, just keeping it clear, keeping it nice, warm temperature um, and just removing all those sort of distractions. So it's not just that it distracts them sort of sleeping, it's that also it can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. I have heard, um, I know, well, I know of a few mums actually in our group that use a um a sock i don't know whether you've heard of these um but it's a sock that they get their baby to wear when they're first born that kind of sets off an alarm if there is anything are they something that you have spoken to anyone about or do you know a bit more about those or anything yeah and like lots of parents particularly if they've had their babies in special care for a while Mm. they're quite keen to use them as well yeah and they can be really, really helpful, especially if there's sort of causes and reasons for concern mm-hmm. over your baby. But I think it's also important that we sleep as well. Mm-hmm. 
as well as the baby. So what we don't want to do is use the products to almost put us in a state of constant worry and constant anxiety, because actually if you follow the guidance, your baby will be as safe as your baby will be. And what we don't want to do is sort of overanalyze and overthink things. Yeah. Um, so it's like when I'm trying to wean my parents off of, you know, they maybe they've been, I don't know, their baby's been waking eight times at night. And now they're in a room watching the video monitor, waiting for their baby to wake up. Yeah. You have got to chill a little bit and just let your baby sleep. They'll do what they'll do as long as you've, you've done everything you can do to make it safe. Don't worry too much. And so, yeah. you know, the socks are better than the thing, the mats that used to go under the cot because the yeah. baby would roll off, the alarms would go off, oh. everyone would be in panic. Um, but I think really think why you're using those. If it's because it's a medical condition, I really get it. Um, but yeah what's yeah. your own level of stress and worry about it yeah yeah I suppose if it calms you down and actually makes you calmer then it may be worth it but also if it puts you in a state of constant anxiety then it's probably <laughs> not yeah. worth it oh no that's great I just wondered about those actually so that's great so Gemma um will you explain what you do then um I'm sure people have got it um but what you can help with and also where parents will be able to find you yeah 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 thank you and um, so I can help um with lots of different things regarding sleep so I work with parents who've got well, even in the um antenatal stages and they want to know how to set up their environment for safe sleep or what's the best sort of science around it so I work with some pregnant parents too um but typically I work with people um who've got babies and small children between the ages of naught to five um and so I either work with them on a one-to-one basis or I sort of just over telephone as well um, and sort of we look at things like um, the routines and what they're aiming to achieve we look at the sleep environment and we also look at um, teaching the babies how to settle and how to resettle at night and become nice independent sleepers um, and so what's so important for me is having this really nice long conversation with parents first to understand about them, what their sleep goals are and the temperament of the baby, because every single plan I do for their parents is completely unique because, you know, it's not one size fits all. Everyone's got different goals. Every baby is completely different. Some babies will sleep everywhere and I will not ever speak to those parents. And that's absolutely yeah. fine because their baby is just somebody who will sleep everywhere. Um, but quite a lot of parents contact me, particularly mums if they're returning to work. And, you know, oh, yeah. it was absolutely fine to wake up three times and do feeds, you know, for the first nine months. But actually now I'm exhausted. I'm totally yeah. exhausted and I need, you know, I'm happy with one feed. But how do you sort of say so we work, we work um, with parents' goals. And also sometimes I have to tell them what's realistic. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so what age would you start working with parents then from you know if if there's obviously it's it's normal for babies to wake up as well for food but what age would you say to get in touch with you from and also do you help with toddlers as well then I'm guessing yeah yeah up to the age of five five right um, and it's I work with all ages right um, and I think people think oh sleep training means great out that's not that's not true at all that's mm. totally not true sleep training is like it's about sleep support I hate the term sleep training because I just think there's too many people that associate it with just leaving your baby to cry yes um, yeah but children not about are, that typically under the age of five months we're looking at far more about sort of good promoting good sleep habits getting them into good strategies 
um, and learning those skills of sleep. And then sort of post six months, perhaps there have been a few bad habits that have been picked up. Then we'll look at sort of getting rid of those habits as well. Oh, that's great. So you can work with people from the beginning, really, if they just want to create those kind of, oh, that's, that's great. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. So can you tell us just where we parents can find you um, as well? And also, are you available via Zoom and, and um, in your local area as well for meetings? Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, with the pandemic, all sorts of one-to-one support in the home has sadly been off. Mm. Um, but So we do great Zoom meetings, lots of telephone support, email support and text support as well. Um, but the best thing to do is probably just to go straight to my website. It's childsleepspecialist.co.uk. Just fire off an email to me, ask me a question, and I'll tell you how I can help. That's amazing. Gemma, you've been amazing. I have learned so much. My son's five. I'm like, but I, you know, all of these things like sleep environment, I actually didn't think about. So thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure people will find that really, really useful. You're welcome. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my Bump to Babies expert podcast. If you would like to find help and support from experts in your local area, head over to www.mybumptobaby.com and you will also be able to find local pregnancy to preschool groups, classes, businesses and services in your local area. Wondering what's on in your local area? Come and join our weekly newsletter where we share the classes and groups that are on in your local area. From pregnancy to preschool, we have you covered. Click the link below this podcast to receive your newsletter each week, every Sunday, so you know what's on and you can plan your week ahead.